I have a, I have a glass of water. Mm. <laughs> I got a aluminum can, can of water. Have you seen these? these Is these, that the buble? These, the bubbly, but the buble, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. that's supposed to I've be never seasonal, tried. I guess. Merry, Merry Berry, um, tastes honestly the same as all the other ones. So I don't know. Is it like a flavored sparkling water? Is that what that is? <laughs> Give me a minute. Yeah, yeah, it's a flavored sparkling <laughs> uh-huh. water. It okay. says right on it, sparkling water beverage. There you go, Merry Berry. That's a lot. Yeah. I was um. I'm a little anxious today for reasons. You know, I'm trying a completely different setup um, for work, (laughs) right? So part of the the fun of my job, I think, is I get to try a bunch of different stuff um, that our clients might use. And one thing I've been experimenting with, especially since the world kind of went hybrid, is what is the smallest footprint that you can do like a live streaming 4K podcast from uh, at a reasonable price, right? Because you don't want to say, hey, so, you know, spend five grand and you're going to have this. this. Right. Like what can you do for like 500 bucks? <laughs> so I'm on a mic that's like $100 okay. and an interface that's like 150 bucks. And, you know, like a... a camera and stuff. So maybe a sub $500 gets all the gear minus the computer. And it's just like every time I hook up a bunch of new stuff, including like a, a, a B-roll shot, I, I, have, a, <laughs> I have a second camera. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm like, okay. Cause you know, you see those context shots. Nobody likes to see two heads kind of talking to each other on the internet. Mm-hmm. Cause it just reminds you of all of your webinars and web meetings. Um, so I'm playing with a bunch of stuff. So if everything goes catastrophically wrong, sorry. Oh, is this is this like the pilot? This is the pilot. We're, we're testing. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's that's great. Let's test some stuff out. Yeah, let's do it. I'll be on your B-roll. Why is why is your name IKEA Hacker? Because <laughs> last time we talked, I don't know if it was when we actually met Asafas or last time we recorded, but you mentioned ikea hacking and watching some youtube videos and doing a deep dive on on hacks and then you sent me a picture that looked really really nice yeah and so my and i just today unrelated but everyone goes to ikea went to ikea this morning um took advantage of the extra hour that i guess we have today and uh did some stuff got some got some good stuff and just went to went to ikea you know i i never got why people do this it's so busy like they've from a branding perspective, they've figured this out. Like it's a whole thing. Yeah. People bring their kids, kids run around, burn the energy. You have lunch mm-hmm. in the, like the restaurant. Mm-hmm. First of all, there's a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Second there of is. all, <laughs> halfway through, you know, they know you're going to be hungry. You're tired. You sit down, you have a meal and then you keep going. Like they've, they've got this, they've got it figured out. Do you have an Ontario, do they serve beer and alcohol? No, no. Do they do that? In, Go ahead. They do. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So you can stop midway and have yourself a nice, cold, blonde and go, you know what? I can do this. Because I find a variety of things. One, I never go to Ikea on the weekend unless it's absolutely necessary. And if it is, I know what I'm going to get. So it's going to be just go pick it up. Because mm-hmm. the weekends are like Costco on Sunday. 
I just, I can't. It's insane. You know? Like the parking lot, it's a, it's a village. Like the parking lot is hundreds and hundreds of spots. They're all taken. People go there for yeah. hours. I mean, as you should, because it's a whole, it's a whole thing and there's tons of stuff. And I don't know, man, they, I would like to see it in their marketing department or something. Cause like they've got everything. They got new, new arrivals. They've got the Christmas stuff, the holiday stuff already out. They've got this, they've got cool names for stuff. Like I'm just walking around like just impressed from a branding perspective. Like we're, we're an Ikea household in, in a lot of ways. They, but you know, what you had mentioned is, is hacking the Ikea products mm-hmm. is kind of the fun part of it. So there's the, here's the catalog suggested way that you use our stuff. But if you go on Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube, you can find an entire world of these Ikea hackers that take the, the best of cabinets and turn them into these remarkable pieces of functional furniture beyond what they were intended to be. So, and it's just, honestly, it's like spackle for me. It's a problem solver furniture wise. It's like I'm sitting at, cause I needed a very dedicated uh, video conferencing desk, right? Cause I have a, I have a studio desk over there where I do all my recording and editing and music stuff but it's not very functional as a place to actually sit down and have meetings and do work. Right. So I, I I went to Ikea and got like the littlest desk I could and, you know, got it assembled and got a little lamp for like 20 bucks. That's called a Farfanugan or something. Mm-hmm. And it it's um, the easiest way to immediately get yourself into uh, whatever setup it is you're looking for. The long term, though, I mean, Ikea stuff, I found you can assemble it once can maybe move it and assemble it twice, but there is no third time. The <laughs> no. third time, no, that's it. It's it's out the door. Well, that's the business model because it's a more, not that it's a cheap place, it's still costly, but it's cheaper. I mean, you just, it's just the return customer. People, you just go back and you just, you're right. I'm not going to reassemble it. I'll just get a new one. I'll just, and now my tastes right. have changed and there's just people return and come back. And I mean, I love it. It's, we're an Ikea household as well. We're hacking the office where I'm sitting right now. This is like our spare room office. You slept in this room. <laughs> um, yep, I did. I did. The, to kind of get some stuff. And there's like just the storage options that you can't, you know, that's just really accessible. And going to hang some stuff on the wall and kind of realizing we're doing a spring cleaning in reverse, I guess. Winter, like just a lot of stuff that we've moved. We lived here for like a year now. We realize, hey, we have like stuff that we don't use and we don't need so let's get rid of some stuff and then Ikea hacking the storage for the stuff that, that we're keeping. So that's a really adult, boring uh, story. But that's my Sunday of this, like, we did Ikea and now we get to the fun of putting it all together. Well, we're old, we're boring old. adults. This no. is the slope. It, it just keeps sliding down. I'm cool with that, though, you know, uh, especially after reading about like that Nordic philosophy of, of Hugay. Mm, got the book. <laughs> and. And just kind of getting into that it's going to be winter. So I'm with you. Like we're doing a variety of um, boring adult around the house, getting things ready, you know, doing guest rooms and figuring out storage and rethinking the pantry and covering the patio furniture and stuff. And I don't care. I like it. I like how lame it can be. It's sort of fun. The the thing that I I'm always struggling with is that I think I only go to Ikea because that's where I'm at financially right mm. if if i had money for a designer money for some custom built cabinets uh money for high-end furniture that's you know in fashion for the next three years then i would probably just have somebody come in and do it 
Because as much as I need to do it, I don't necessarily like doing it. No, I hate it. I'll just say it. I, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I think Fair it's, it's interesting because it, for that, at least for me, I always ask myself, like, how long, if I'm getting design stuff, which I have never done, or like custom, how long am I going to live where I'm currently living? Because if it doesn't yeah. travel or it doesn't come with you to the next place, I think that's the, the brilliance of Ikea too. You know, it's, it's just like, you can, it's, I think it's good value for what it is. And if it doesn't travel to the next place, it's okay. You can go back and get another one, a replacement, you know. I've had tremendous success in the Facebook marketplace for Ikea furniture, right? Oh, yeah. So we've moved a couple times in the last few years, right? We moved, made a big move a couple of years ago to this area. And then, as you remember, we moved from one apartment to another within the same building, right? So a slightly different layout and all this stuff. And you end up with this kind of pile of Ikea furniture that maybe doesn't work in your new place. Facebook Marketplace, put it up for free. You've got a student or a new Canadian at your door in 20 minutes. We got rid of stuff really away. quickly when we moved. Just like, I got to the point of just like, I will, it's free. You're paying me by coming and taking it away. Like that's, I don't have to get rid of it. I don't have to dispose of it. Please come get it. And it's really, really, yep. really easy. Yep. The, what we ended up this, this particular round, we built uh, like an inbuilt mounted on the wall office for, for Atti. And the thing was, I went out and I got like a laser level and a tripod and stuff. Cause I, I'm not very handy at all. Like I can put a hole Same. in the wall, but I don't know beyond that. Um, so I had to learn kind of how to do all these things. And you, you think to yourself, it can't be that hard, but it is hard to do anything well, right? That's the, that's the thing. That's why people have skills. <laughs> I like to say everything, everything's craft. easy when you know how to do it, <laughs> when you don't know how right. to do it. <laughs> so I'm, I've always been deathly afraid of like floating cabinets and shelves and things. I'm like, this is it. This is how I'm going to kill my partner. I'm going to mount these, you know, shelving units six feet in the air she's going to fill them with books and things and it's going to fall on her head and kill her. And that's going to be my fault. And I don't know legally if that's just manslaughter or what, but I, you know, I had to Google it to say, Hey, I'm going to do this, but this might be your did demise. You, uh, did you find the stud? I, I did find the stud. Um, but I found actually a guy in Kitchener Waterloo who shows you how to better hang things. So like these particular brackets that you put through the wall that super expand out and pull against the drywall because you're not going to find a stud everywhere you need one like a butterfly so anything like exactly um and these things you can hang an elephant on them so between that and the laser level and hanging them and then making the micro adjustments to the cabinet i felt pretty manly and pretty proud of myself and really sad when it's like oh man i'm gonna have to take these off the wall and disassemble them and move them to another place but it led to another great discovery of how to repair walls after you've put you know holes and things in mm -hmm. them right mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's it was uh, i learned a whole bunch of things i did a super good job of it according to the contractors who came in after after we moved they're like you guys did a great job fixing up the walls nice like, thank you but i guess my long boring adult story is to say that we wanted to mix it up and do something different with all of those modules and and uh atti designed this really cool low 
storage slash bench slash little desk at the end of it thing that you can only do and take those chances with Ikea that you can't do with other furniture. I think so. I think so. I mean, Maya's really into into that kind of stuff, thank goodness, because I'm not hand like you. I'm not handy at all. I can't do any of these things. Mm-hmm. And she's just sees things that I, I can't see. And she's turned a lot of our place here into, you know, what were closets and this and that, start into coffee bars and, and this and that and other things. So I basically just said, you have a vision for this office, for the spare room slash office. Let's let let's do it. Like I trust you. Let's it's like we need this, we need this. And like, like so maybe the next time we do this show. I can update on what it's it's transformed into. Um, not that this is a big IKEA commercial, but I think they didn't they I don't know invent or isn't TaskRabbit an IKEA thing, an IKEA baby? I don't know if that's their product or not. Or do they just partner no. with? Because either way, that's like their evolution now. Because all over IKEA, when you walk around, we don't have beer here, so maybe we just have TaskRabbit. <laughs> is don't want to put it together yourself? Get a TaskRabbit, which is like right. hmm. I'm not sure if the if the impetus of the company was IKEA or not. Um, either way, I think the partnership makes sense. W- one way to test a relationship is to assemble IKEA furniture together. Absolutely, I mean that's number one. Um, but I don't I don't know if you guys have experienced this or not since you, you're nesting. Mm-hmm. But like I I forever rented fully furnished condominiums. That was my that was my bag, right? So I never thought about or worked on any of this stuff until my 40s, like in my 40s, you know? <laughs> and at first you think, and I think this is maybe analogous to life, you've got this feeling that at some point you're going to get there and it's sort of done. And it's like, now I don't have to worry about this anymore, but I don't think that's the case. I think it's constant work, right? No. You're never at a place that it's it's good, you're done. I joke with Mark because she likes to say, when I move into a new place, and she's moved many, many times in her life, like, oh, I, you know, the first X number of months, I just get everything done, and then it's settled, and it's done, and I can relax. But it's, it's never done. It's, it's absolutely never done. And I, I'm the same. I, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm the idiot, but like, I didn't even know when you rented a place that you could do anything. <laughs> now there's all these YouTube, <laughs> these YouTube channels about like, rent, renter-free design, renter, renter-safe this, that, the other, right? Where you oh, can actually hang shelves and put holes in walls. And I'm like, I don't think the landlord likes that, but like people do, people do this. And then you just put it back, I guess, when you move, I guess is the, is the thing. It's just a matter of what it has to be left like. So, you know, our, our leases, you can do whatever you want, you know, put holes and install cabinets and paint and who cares, you know, it just has to be the way that they rented it to you. And even here, they're mm-hmm. actually pretty nice. They do all the painting again. They, they come in and they'll, they'll paint whatever okay. needs to be done um, after the fact. So, But yeah, I've also moved into places where it's like, I really wanted to hang a poster, but I was afraid to. Because I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Am I supposed to do that or not? Maybe it's a guy thing. I don't know. Do you have the same landlord now in this place? Uh, is, it, is it a building? It's yeah. A, okay. It's a building. So there's a property manager who manages the whole thing. So you yeah. didn't have a, a, a bad breakup then? With your landlord, in this case, it's the same person. Not that I'm aware of. No, um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it was kind of nice because I didn't have to um, go through the rental application again, <laughs> right? <laughs> so she's like, "Okay, well, we already know you, so that's that's easy." <laughs> nice. uh, but it, nice. it, there was that situation where I guess, like, you know, maybe this is what you're getting at: is 
at the end of a landlord relationship. Well, I've heard stories. Get weird. And ours recently was kind of weird. I mean, nothing, nothing bad. Just like that peculiarity of wanting it to be what it was when you moved in. And I guess the interpretation of what it was when you moved in, there's obvious things like, Hey, the wall was white. Now it's purple. So obviously that's different, but like, Hey, there's a crevice over here or there's a groove over here or there's a, you know what I mean? Just kind of like, I know. Really? Really? I know. And interpretations of the lease as well. You know, I've been through that. Um, but what I've done, I've learned because I've moved so much, is make sure I go around and take a lot of pictures of things that I can see are clearly wrong mm-hmm. immediately. Right? So go around and go, this is wrong, this is, needs to be fixed. And then uh, if when I move, they say, hey, this is broken, and I have a dated picture that says, see, this was on the date that I moved in, and it looks like that. If you can do a tour with whomever you're renting from, you, that helps too. That helps too. It does. And now that we we own here for the first time, I'm much more like we don't have to change it. <laughs> I'm thinking every time we everything that we do is like, well, you know, we don't have to like paint it back if we don't want to. We can just leave it. There is a thing of, you know, staging it back to make it look nice for for selling it. But I don't have the I guess the I don't know if it's guilt, but just the oh, it's gonna be so much work to put this back. I think, oh, it's fine. Just, we own it, we can do whatever we want. I like that's a nice feeling. I like that. That's the hedge. Have you heard? <laughs> there was a there was a Netflix special. It was um, it was Jonah Hill in therapy. Did you see this? Yes, I did. Okay, because you know, it just again, as we're talking about the constant work of working on a house and how I'm always thinking there's some sort of a grander analogy. It does remind me of that of um, his doctor. Stutz. I think that's sort of the three things in life that you can't avoid, which was, I think, uh, pain, anxiety, and constant work. Like if you can accept that there's no avoiding these three things in life, there's no shortcut around them, Mm. uh, you're going to be okay. You know, so... (laughs) Whenever, whenever I'm working on the house or moving to a new place, I'm like, okay, there's going to be a lot of pain, there's going to be a lot of anxiety, and there's going to be constant work. I find it pretty valuable advice. Well, because if there isn't, then what is there? You know, like you, you got to do something with your life. You got to, if you know, I think fixing up a house, or I mean, if that a lot of people like doing that, but it's it's like a hobby, I guess, right? It's something to do. For you, I mean, we like to talk on into microphones, and we this is one of our hobbies. We we record and we do right. this and we edit. You know, there's work can be interpreted as a positive word or as a negative word, but I think there will be pain, and I think that's that's comforting in a way to know that you're not alone, and you know, that's just part of of being a human. Um, but we're put put the work towards things that that you like. I mean, job aside, I guess, or you know, ideally, but work on the home or work on a passion project or. Something like going to Ikea on a Sunday, though I don't recommend it. You know, the meatballs are delicious. So, you know, there can be work in getting in the door. But when you get the meatballs, you know what? They're tasty. They're tasty. The old, it's not the destination, it's the journey. Um, for, for me, I think I have no issue with the constant work. I'm comfortable with that. What bothers me is a sense of futility where <laughs> there's like this... 
it's not going anywhere. Like I just keep going and going and going and I'm not actually getting anywhere with it. Right. So that's, you know, lately for me, um, that's where it's been, gosh, uh, is there even a point where you don't have the anxiety that there are things that I need to be constantly doing? I guess the answer is no. Interesting. Okay. So you feel like you need to always be doing something or there's something else that you're not doing that you should be. Right. Okay. Or there's always something, there's always something still to be done. Gotcha. No, I feel like that. Yeah. I feel like that quite a lot. When I do feel like that, I make a to-do list because I find that is temporarily helpful. The feeling then circles around again. But if I actually write down, what is it that I should be doing or could be doing? And I write it down. It's usually less than I thought it was or I felt like it was. Do you remember I was told um, the last episode that we reinvented the answering machine? Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> I've, been, I've been thinking a lot about that because going into you know, these weekends, uh, I've been super busy at work the last couple of weeks and, and getting busier even still because there's just so much to do. And then on the evenings and weekends, you know, I'm pretty exhausted. And going into the weekend, I have this self-imposed expectation that I should be now doing these life things, these mm-hmm, adulting mm-hmm. things, working on this house, all of this stuff. And sometimes it's just like, I, I used to have this with my, with my calendar. I would put a time block on my calendar that I'm going to work on a thing. And then when I would get to that date and that time, I was just not in that place. My body wasn't able to do it. My mind wasn't there. Other things interfered. And then it, I was just like like self-abusing um, ab- myself, thinking, gosh, I, I'm, I should have done that. I set this time aside and then I get there. So it's like sometimes like on a Saturday, it's like, okay, now's the day to put together that bed and do that thing. And it's like, I just, I, part of it is like all of that, stuff that we're putting around it in expectations, I think just adds to maybe the displeasure of, of trying to get our, get our homes together. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I think too, like you and I are the same in this. We, I don't, I'm not good at it and I don't enjoy it. Those are two things. There are two big obstacles or hurdles for me starting that, that task of it's, if it's something that I enjoy, like what we're doing right now, pretty simple for me yeah. to, to get in like atomic habits to like just start you know but building a bed is not something that i enjoy and i probably don't enjoy it because i'm not good at it those are connected ideas so to to sit down on a weekend for me to do that it would be quite you know it's hard it's hard to start it would be hard to start for me i i'm just i'm a natural born check writer that's where i'm at i, I just i would love to interview potential designers who can, uh, you know, work with me to say, this is what I think are some japan notions that might work in mm-hmm. your place. I can do lots of yes, no over spritzers and then go away for a month and come back and it's done. Yeah. Yeah. There's two things that we've decided that we're not doing again. So this Murphy bed behind us was one of those things where we thought we could do it ourselves, and we did it ourselves. but man, was it a task. It, we're not doing that again. And then moving is the second one where we've moved ourselves with my brother's help twice oh, with yeah. a U-Haul. And that is not something I will, will write the check the next time. We're not doing that again. Oh yeah. I got a guy. I got a guy. I'm yeah. too old for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even to a point, 
where I'm so close to considering hiring people to do the packing. Mm. Like pretty close. Because it's, it's, oh man, just even talking about moving, I've moved so many times. I, I long for the days where the move was really just a couple of bags and then I'm gone. That's why I was always renting fully furnished places. I never really had to, the moving itself was just a little bit of paperwork and packing my clothes and going. But now it's like you've accumulated all of this life. Moving seems like an impossibility. It seems more realistic to go and rent another place somewhere else and keep both <laughs> to move. It's daunting. It's da yeah. Every time I move, I always remember, I forget how daunting it is. I, I'm kind of the opposite. I don't build it up and say, okay, we're going to move, whatever. And then in the, you know, three to four weeks prior where you have to put things in boxes and actually have to, holy crap, how much stuff do we have? I don't know. Like it just, you just forget how much stuff you have. And then it's, then the daunt really gets on me and it's, I hate it. No, I hate it. I don't want to do it very often ever again. The, and you think to yourself, boy, I budgeted enough time to, to really go through and prune what I have and only bring the things that I want. And you know, what's sparking joy as I'm doing this process? There are people I know but that what move. ends up happening. Oh yeah. What ends up happening for me is that in the end, there's the last 24 hours and I'm just shoving shit in boxes now <laughs> that I have to go figure out six months later, wherever we've moved to. I'm opening this box of rando stuff and going, oh man. There's an evolution, right? You start at the beginning and you get all these, I do, you get all cute about it where you just like organize all the kitchen stuff will go here and the stuff that we're not going to use for the next four weeks, we'll go, we'll just pack those right away. And then the stuff that we need, okay, so we'll probably need this in the last week and the last two days. And then by the end, you're right. It's just literally we were doing that plates in boxes, this, that, and it's just like mayhem. And then the first three or four boxes have the, the Sharpie on it. That Oh, this, these are the, the towels and these are this. And then everything else is just, who knows what's in this box? I have no, no, absolutely yeah. no idea. It's a nightmare. I know people who move pretty frequently, like every year or two they're moving and I don't, I don't get it. I mean, there are many reasons to move, of course, but a lot of people just move down the street or in the same neighborhood or something. And I just, they must be worth it because the move actually, it's like travel, love taking, love to travel, hate to travel, you know, the airport, all that stuff. Hate moving. It must be, it must be worth it. I, I don't get it. I can't. It's the last thing I would want to do is, is move. I mean, unless you have to. Yeah. Unless, well, I, having said that, we just move voluntarily to another place. But it had another room, and it was a bigger place. So we're like, okay. And it's in the same building, so I don't need a trucky truck. I just need like people to haul things upstairs. And I don't need a super packy pack. I can just kind of pack and bring them exactly. upstairs. And if you have overlap in terms of being out of the one place into the next one, then you can just kind of up and down the stairs a couple times for over the next week and relaxy yeah. taxi. We, we had the uh, we had the overlap. We had the two sets of keys, so we were kind of going back and forth between the true the two. So it was easy ish, but I don't know because here again, like uh, we are going through at any given time in Quebec as Anglophones uh, existential crises. It's just the kind of nature of of being uh, a minority language speaker in this particular province. So as things are getting pushed and pushed further away from being friendly to, to us as a place to live, there's, you know, the question comes up every lease, 
It's like, hmm, you know, let's let's go down to um, as as Elon Musk weirdly says, first principles, <laughs> and go. What is it exactly like? If we were to, you know base zero our lives and figure out what really matters to us. What do we really want? Um, forget about everything we've established so far. Is this the place that we would want to be? And inevitably part of that conversation becomes, do I really want to pack all of this back up again and move somewhere else versus, uh, you know, just stay where I am and be relatively comfortable. So I, I you know, it's, it's hard. There's no easy way to say it. It's hard. Uh, well, I think, yeah, moving sucks. But if on the other side of that is something that's better, then you should do it, right? Eventually better. So, But I find that there's, depending on what you, how you move, right? There's that sort of like, you're going to go through, it's going to be six months before you feel even a little bit settled. In yeah. the first couple of months, you're, you're living like raccoons out of boxes. It's just the way it is. Because you can't take a month off work as well and just no. focus on moving and focus on unpacking. It's, we don't have that luxury, you know? So maybe, like I go back to the minimalist books that I always enjoyed, and, and there was a period where I was just hyper-reducing everything in my life to make sure that if and when I eventually will move, because I always inevitably will, it's pretty painless. Um, but that hasn't been the case. I've been just pack ratting, buying stuff, filling rooms, assembling furniture. <laughs> like I don't know. <laughs> you talked about uh, you talked about Vancouver last time we did this show. Yes. Are you a Are you a Swifty? I'm not a Swift. I mean, look, I love my Tay Tay, but I'm not a Swifty. Okay. Are you? Uh, I'm more of a metal. I'm a. I'm a metal guy. Like I'm going to Tool in a couple of weeks, second row. So, nice. You know, that's where I'm at. I'm a Swifty by association, I guess you can say. <laughs> of course, of course, mm -hmm. by proxy. Um, and this uh, this whole Eras tour, the the tickets thing of how you have to like register and apply, and there's a lottery. And anyway, there's a new one that opened up. My association let me know a few days ago in. Vancouver for basically a year from now, yeah. next December. So yeah. we've applied. Uh oh. Uh, oh maybe no. maybe the four of us will will end up in Vancouver a year from now and uh, be a Swifties by association. Hold on, are you are you so are you waiting to see what happens in the Swifty lottery? Is that we're waiting? Yeah, because her, this is there was she was only going to come to Toronto in terms of her Canada visit, and now she's opened up yeah, Vancouver. Exactly. Spots, so I saw that she did three shows or something in Vancouver. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Next December, I don't remember the dates, but you're being cagey here. Are you saying that you you applied to potentially have four tickets? So yes, as my understanding is, you if you win or you're chosen. <laughs> Or however this works, you're eligible to purchase four tickets. I think is how it works. Uh -huh. uh, so we've entered, you know, with all these different emails and whatever, and then you can do it this way, and you can do it with your this way and whatever. So we'll see. We did it for Toronto too, and obviously we were one of the two billion people who also did it and didn't get anything. So, but potentially, yeah, Vancouver next year, uh, we'll have a housewarming party for you over there, and then. <laughs> I first of all any any high quality live performance I'm in I don't care 
we just went to see Rafi, mm. two, you know, two weeks ago, and it was phenomenal at the uh, National Center for Performing Arts in Ottawa. Front row seats, backstage access, meet Rafi. That's what wow. I'm talking about. Um, and for Tool, because we got robbed of our Tool tickets uh, due to the pandemic, um, this year I joined the like their fan club because giving as you, if you join the fan club not because I want to be part of the fan club, you get early access to tickets. So it's either between my Amex card or fan club. I'm going to try from two angles to get good seats. Got second row, which is great. I got an offer to pay $400 and come backstage and take a picture with Tool. I'm going to pass on the $400 Instagram snap. But um, yeah, if it's a good show though, I don't care. I will absolutely go. I don't care either. Yeah, it would be fun. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm pretty indifferent, to be honest, in general. But like if it's a whole thing and it's a trip and you go to a cool city in Vancouver, we loved it. It was great. And the show is going to be, obviously, it's going to be phenomenal. So, yeah, I, I would definitely be yeah. in for that. Yeah, because we did, when we went to Rafi, all the fun was actually packing up the kids, making a bunch of adventure things to do and activities in the back seat and the going out for dinner before the show and stuff, the whole, everything around it was almost as fun as the concert itself. And if you ask the kids, what was the best part? They're like, the road trip was the best part of it all. So yeah, well, good luck. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think the challenges in Canada is that like, they don't, you know, it's like, remember the Leafs playoffs, only Americans could buy tickets in Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the only way that you'd have a really good shot in Canada is if they did the same thing. Like if you, if they let anybody in the world try and get those tickets, then there's going to be this whole enclave of Japanese people that are going to try and get those tickets and they'll fly from Tokyo to Vancouver. Sure. To see sure. Absolutely. It's, it's crazy. Like I don't quite understand. I, my understanding of why they're doing it like this is to try to avoid scalpers basically just buying. Cause you, <laughs> there's a whole system as I understand. And you can put your email in and you're eligible for only two tickets or four tickets or whatever. And there's a lottery and oh, the stadium's only so big. So 20,000 people win, you know, per per show. And it's supposed to avoid yep. Joe Scalper buying 10,000 tickets at once and then reselling them for whatever, whatever. That's, as I understand it, I don't know if that's actually avoiding it. It just seems like a whole ordeal. But they've really like either on purpose or not on purpose, bent up like demand for this. And people are just going crazy to like apply for the ability to buy tickets. And it's, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. I'm quite impressed with the marketing side of it. Um, but it's just seems crazy to, is there a comparable yeah. to, I guess if you're living in real time, maybe you don't really know, but like, is this what it was like to get Michael Jackson tickets or Beatles or like, this seems insane to see someone who's, she's, she's the top of the music world right now, it seems like. Sure. Once upon a time, you don't go online and buy tickets. There was no online. So you would go line up and buy tickets. So that's, that's how that would normally work. Or you would call a radio station and hope to win tickets. You, you know, so there was, there was this whole kind of actual physical way that you would have to do it. Scalpers were always and always will be scalpers. And fr frankly, I think that I'm grateful that there are, not necessarily because of what they're doing to ticket prices or how difficult it is to get tickets. You know, maybe there's more of that than there should be. 
But I like that on a given day, if I'm in the mood and I'm walking past the Bell Center and the, I don't know, the Canadians are playing like some rando team. And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's pop in and get some nosebleeds and check out the game. I think that's pretty great because otherwise you can't do that if it weren't mm -hmm. for scalpers. I guess I could go on my phone and go to StubHub or Eventco or something and see if I can maybe get, and go through a whole thing, or I can just give the guy a hundred bucks and go in and watch the thing. So I like, I like the kind of the raw old fashioned, you know, the wild west, I'm getting tickets to a thing. But lately, I don't know if there's any analogy to it. Like maybe if you're going to like a super high end restaurant, you know, you make a reservation six months out right. in order to get in. But have you guys found in post-pandemic world, like as they promised, all of these luxury events, travel, concerts, restaurants are getting almost insanely expensive, like yes. really, really unaffordable. Absolutely. I mean, travel, yes, I would kind of always was, but just dinner outs, like I've really noticed that. And I know food prices are higher now and, and especially in Canada, but just for the yep. two of us, and I would classify this as like, you know, a nice dinner, but nothing crazy. You know, we're not going to Michelin star restaurants or anything, but you're, you're in for 200 bucks for, for two people for dinner. And man, like it never used to be like that. That it's just, and we're, you know, not ordering anything crazy. We're not doing five course, like just, you know, appetizer, dinner, a drink or two. And it's 200 bucks and it's, it's insane. It's getting to a place where, and I, no fault of the restaurants. I mean, they've no. got their food costs and they've got their service costs and they're adjusting as they need to. Um, I worry that with what is affordable for folks these days that, you know, restaurants as an example are going to price themselves out of business, not intentionally price themselves out of business, but by the nature of their costs become economically not viable. I, I was just, you know, when I went through to visit with you guys, more often pre-pandemic, I'd go through Toronto and stay like for a night, just grab a hotel downtown, grab some dinner, drinks, get on the train or plane and carry on. And that used to be maybe a five or $600 venture because it's, you know, staying downtown Toronto for the night. Now it's well over a G. Like it's going to be a thousand bucks to stay downtown, go out for dinner, do a couple things and be gone. And uh, that's, that's pretty absurd. Yeah. I, d I do wonder, I have had this thought, if the future of restaurants in cities maybe is like uh, not a sit-down experience, is just a takeout experience where you have like really good food and people want to eat it, but they don't want to, you know, maybe it's just cheaper to just get takeout and go eat it at home. And then they don't need, to, and there's no storefront anymore and it's just someone's kitchen where they're making the food, you know what I mean? Just because yeah, the, the rent... Thing. Like here on Queen Street, the rent for a restaurant must be astronomical. What I don't know what they pay per month there. It must be like tens of thousands probably per month just to exist, you know? Um, so is the future of a restaurant to just not have that and just be a delivery-only kind of service, you know? I hope not, because a lot of food doesn't take away well. No. You know, that's the other <laughs> challenge, is that it's, once you get it home, it's this kind of you ever order noodles? Over <laughs> eats? Like, yeah, right. no. Forget about it. Yeah. Speaking of noodles, uh, I know that Maya was interested in this. Those momofukus are fantastic. 
Okay. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this noodle brand. No. Um, yeah, Momofuku. I'll send you a link. And, uh, you know, you order them on the internet and they show up and it's a big box of instant noodles. Uh, who cares? Well, they're actually quite healthy and they're really good. And the sauces are phenomenal and the texture of the noodles is perfect. So it's, they're not like some weird Chinese cardboard coming in. And the way that you dress these noodles, the different accoutrements, like, you know, stirring up some vegetables or some meat or tofu or whatever and putting them in. I have got restaurant quality uh, noodle dishes going on here. Really? And easy, fast, so, so good. Yeah, because I know I know your partner had mentioned uh, a little bit of envy when I mentioned that we're eating a lot of momofuku. Let me tell you, worth every penny. Okay. Worth every penny. Momofuku. Yep. I'll pass it on. Yep. I think there's a big trend because this is actually somewhat related to people saying, I'm going to learn to keep just cooking my own good food at home. You know, we had to pick up a lot of skills, I think, during the pandemic, and we're just going to carry on doing the same thing now out of necessity. On that it's note, yeah, it's cheaper. It's cheap. Like using the good food, literally, the, the Quebec company, good food is uh, like the Canadian HelloFresh or whatever, I guess. We, this says more about our spending habits, I guess, or just our habits, but we've been doing that. And it's it's cheaper. It's reduced our grocery bill significantly because we don't have to shop for dinner foods. Like, you know, you go to the butcher, you get some some meat or whatever. It's just really expensive right now. And now we're just, you know, you go to the store, you buy coffee, you buy your fruits and vegetables and whatever, but we're not grocery shopping for dinner at all. And the food's pretty reasonably priced on it. Like it's not cheap, but it's reason it's it's lower than what we were buying at the grocery store, which is insane. So, and it's delicious and it's easy to make and it's got lots of different options, but that's weird that that would be a cheaper option. I think we've touched on this before though, in like to cook certain things, like there's only so much of a certain ingredient that I'll ever use before mm -hmm. it goes bad, right? So like, like I'm just not going to buy a giant, I don't know if you ever bought like uh, fish sauce, you know? <laughs> or oyster flavored sauce they come in these tall giant bottles where it's i don't know what they do over there we had one last night or the other bottle. night that had capers in it and we were saying like we would never buy capers at the store like that's not right. something that we would buy they're delicious but like we would never buy that exactly and then i'm looking for ways to use capers forever um though i'm a caper fan it doesn't apply point is like i just need like this little thing of oyster flavored sauce that's all i need i don't need that big thing i'm gonna throw away in a year so for two people who only eat certain things every now and then those make a ton of sense it used to be especially living in the city that in many ways eating out as a couple like just two people was actually pretty cost effective you can get lots of good healthy food yeah. and if 50 percent of your meals you're eating out it wasn't that expensive but now no way I think no Good Food and I assume HelloFresh and the other ones have figured it out a little bit because what we've noticed, and because you can go on, there's a whole menu, right? The week before you choose your meals, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot now that don't have protein or, or don't have meat, rather. Meat as an option. Yep. Or you, you pay extra for that. So one, obviously they've got their costs down by not including that. And they obviously have noticed that people don't need it or you know don't need to right. have a chicken breast every with every meal that they've got. So I think that's part of it too. That's making it a lot cheaper where you don't need to have the steak or the meat at every meal and a little bit healthier for us too. And it's, it's more cost effective and you know what it's, it's working and it solves that problem of, I mean, I don't come home from work per se, but you know, after work, you're tired. What do we cook tonight? Don't have anything. Oh, let's just order out more expensive. No, it's right there. It takes 
20 minutes or whatever, and away you go. I've turned into a total old man at Costco as well. Uh-huh. You know, buying the 24 organic eggs, mm. get three, two liters of the, the Costco organic milk. You know, there's just, there's things I'm like, I know I'm going to get high value here, good price, and it's going to last for three, four weeks. Give me, and I think give it's me just your... a function of not necessarily being old, but just being a function of living in the economy as it stands. Give me your Costco pitch, because we've been kicking that around recently. Should we get a Costco membership? Should we not? We haven't. Give me, give me your, your elevator pitch to, for us to do that. Yeah, for sure. I, look, if you're hyper-focused and you go in with a list and you know where the deals are, the savings can be tremendous, uh, really tremendous. If you go in there just sort of freewheeling and fill your card up, it's going to cost you 600 bucks, and you're going to go, what did, I, what did I even buy here? Right. So that's that's number one. I, I think it makes a lot of sense, especially if you have one relatively close to you. So it's easy enough to go. Like for us, it's 15 minutes. We're, we're in and out. Um, and But we're, again, we know exactly what we're going to get. Like the organic chicken breasts, you can buy a big thing, split them, freeze them. Delicious. They have some of the best uh, beef going and you can get it at a really, really good value. Milk, eggs, a lot of staples at Costco are cheaper than you're ever going to get and the quality is super high. So what we end up doing is like our bulk first shop will be a Costco. And often there are like some surprises in there of things that are in season that are really good and well-priced. And then the second is like, we'll, you know, we'll go to a, a grocery store that's a little more boutique to get nice fruits and vegetables and then, you know, just use supermarkets to plug the holes. But right. it's kind of like that first go to Costco and, uh, you know, be a little bit like scrutinize some of the prices because they're not always good deals. And I'm not talking like you get three giant fucking things of ketchup. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but there are some basics that are totally worth the, I don't know what the membership is, $75 a year or something like that. Right. Okay. Good. That's yeah. my pitch. It's a good one. It's a good one. We, yeah, having a list anywhere these days with the prices of, of food, gotta gotta go in with a purpose. And that's like this good food dinner thing has helped us with that because now we, we have a very short list of things that we, you know, coffee and your creamer and your fruits and vegetables. And that's really it, honestly. Uh, and you get out of there and you're, you know, it's 40 bucks and, and you go home. And that's, that's good. The, the other, on, on some goods, like some things like electronics, uh, I mean, all, all kinds of things, frankly, uh, even eyeglasses, tires, gas, there's some great prices, but what I've always enjoyed about Costco is they have, I think something like a six month or one year return policy. No questions asked. You can buy an $800 vacuum, use it for five months and just go, I don't like it and bring it back. And they'll say, what's wrong with it? I said, I don't like it. It's like, okay, here's your money back. Really? <laughs> like, oh yeah. No hassle returns. So that helps. They really do actually stand behind the products and the, and the customers. So okay. That's that's the second part of my Costco pitch. I don't know if you can hear a vacuum going in the background, but yep. we're adulting. Yep. Oh, oh yeah. Well, we looked at uh, we looked at, at the Dysons today. We stopped at Canadian Tire as well, and uh, our Dyson is uh, I don't know five years old or whatever, and the battery lasts not very long anymore. So, yep. um, looking at Dyson. So adult, big adult day today. IKEA hacking. Dyson vacuums, and the guy was like, "If you wait a couple of weeks, November twentieth, Black Friday, this is going to be two hundred dollars off. So come back." So like, great, good tip. Ooh. Thank you for that. They had a Dyson rep. This there, was the so. uh, oh, for real? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, a nice yeah. surprise. We have, we have. Um, let me count. One, two, 
three, four, five vacuums. <laughs> you, have the, you have the, what do you call the? We have a robot. The, ro- the robot. We have, yeah. We, have, yeah, we have a Roomba. We have a Miele uh, upright. We have a Miele canister. We have a really nice Black & Decker pivot handheld quick vac. And then we have like a little, you know, stick vac. And uh, we like uh, almost none of them. We have the sort of a... Really? Yeah, we have some vacuum issues here. Have you ever had a Dyson? uh, In the house. No, and I think, I don't know why she won't let me buy one. Mm. Well, I can give you, I can give her my elevator pitch for that because they're expensive, but fantastic. Like... Yeah, you should go talk to this guy I talked to today. Actually, he he should he's the better one, but the technology is fantastic and great. No no complaints other than the price, but they last for five or six years, so it pays for itself. Okay, I'm gonna look into it again because I know that there's um there's a lot of vacuums that are coming out of Japan that we don't get to see. You know that Dyson and all these other companies, mm-hmm. uh, Bissell and stuff, have SEO'd all these people out of existence as far as the North American internet goes. We've talked about We've this. Talked, I that. I'm telling you though that there's <laughs> some stuff coming out of Japan right now that's just insane. And if you ask the Europeans, these are not the vacuums they're using. They're not the vacuums they're using. So that's the other part is that we. I feel like uh, that we're being so heavily marketed to. Uh, highly marked up products and we're paying for their R&D and paying for their brand and not necessarily getting, we're not getting an $800 vacuum as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Maybe we are. This one had if, lasers. If it were me. There's lasers on it. Oh, you got the, you got the laser got one. The lasers. And you can see Jeez. the filth on the floor right in front yeah. of you, you know? Yeah. 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 I want they got that. the lasers. Damn it. This was the most uh, adult episode history of this show i think so i think so yeah i'm gonna go and uh do a couple loads and maybe maybe clean the guest bathroom laundry yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna empty the dishwasher actually that's what i'm gonna do next <laughs> all right